Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. I'm Shang Peng, Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now. You can also find my work on Twitter at Shang underscore Peng and also at NBC Sharks. I'm Keegan McNally. You might find my work at Halfwall underscore Hockey on Twitter or at my website, half-wallhockey.com or at San Jose Hockey Now. Shang, this week, what do we got? We got an exciting show today. Uh, Mike Greer had... Uh, um, uh, media availability, sort of his mid-season all-star availability mm-hmm. after the state of the Sharks that also the jersey reveal, the Cali Finn jersey reveal. Uh, Mike talked with us. You can see the whole interview at San Jose Hockey now. Uh, but one of the things that Mike said that was interesting was that um, he's hoping, and you know, a keyword stress the word hoping, uh, that within two to three years, the Sharks might find themselves kind of back in the playoff hunt. Now, he's not saying that the, he expects the Sharks to be in the playoffs in two to three years, but we're talking about in the hunt, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, just not not out of it by 30 points by halfway through the season. <laughs> so in the, in the discussion, in the conversation, whatever you want to you want to you want to say about that. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're going to look at uh, what is a realistic path for the 2025-26 Sharks. That's the Sharks team after this one and after the next one. So after the 2024-25 season. Um, and I will explain later why why we picked that Sharks team, the 2025-26 Sharks team. But how? Uh, what's a realistic path for that team to be competitive? Yeah, that's, that was the... The not the biggest takeaway, but a takeaway from the the Greer um, mm-hmm. interview was just that you know maybe there is a chance to turn this around a little bit quicker, and he's he's mentioned this in the past, so we'll get into it later on. Um, and that's it's the closest thing though he's given to actual years or timeline, even though yeah. he won't give a hard time, which I'm sure that they have a hard timeline. You know, because when you plan these things out, you don't just tell Hasa Planner, yeah, we'll get good whenever, whenever that happens. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll try and figure. We'll it try, out. <laughs> and it'll, it'll work when it works, huh? So no, you yeah. got to give you got to give him a plan. Uh, but this is the closest that Mike has publicly said any anything in terms of just mm-hmm. like the number of years he's thinking. I guess is a, is a way to put it, right? And so again, yeah. this is not him saying that they're going to be in the playoffs in two or three years, which I think people misconstrue. Uh, but he's saying just. They're a lot more competitive, and there's again, they're in the conversation. Like mm-hmm. I don't know who a team this year that's in a conversation, right? So that, but that's not quite in it. Like Ottawa Senators, for example, right? I mean, we might touch on that too uh, yeah, as yeah. a sort of a cautionary tale, but uh, something mm-hmm. like that. So. Um, before we get to our main topic of the day, we are going to cover just a few of the the quick hitting points for the week. Sharks a uh, recent, a couple of them, yeah. Sharks recent yeah. play um since the la game uh mukabadoulin shakir mukabadoulin's nhl debut tonight um the cali finn jerseys that have been revealed. i have a lot of thoughts about those guys so. oh yeah <laughs> Cheng has many opinions on the cali finn jerseys uh he's doing the deep dive on this one oh uh, there's, yes. there's we got his opinion we got fans opinions i love it um uh injuries that have happened um for the sharks and a Barracuda. lot of those too yeah a lot of those too and um and then just some other general thoughts about Greer's availability, but uh, we'll we'll cover that when we get into our our main topic of the competitive sharks, which is what we'll what we'll dub them the competitive sharks, <laughs> something like that. All right, um, yeah, sharks are mediocre. That's my answer. For <laughs> sharks are we're gonna get sharks for bad or good. A pretty good week, yeah. For themselves, they did for themselves. Week, yeah. They yeah. ended on a on a loss, which is good. 
Um, but they did have some some wins, which I think were were well deserved and needed. So also good. So right I'm spots a jersey. in the loss too. So <laughs> yeah, so I'm wearing a jersey this week, and it's a uh, it's a throwback jersey. It's probably 2005 or so. My personal favorite Sharks logo. Um, so speaking of favorite jerseys, this is my personal. Favorite it is actually logo. older than that one because it's not the Nike swoosh one. So this is like that's an old school, old school one, I think. So yeah, it's, I yeah. honestly don't know when it. I got it. I Is got there it any swooshes? A... There's no Nike swooshes, right? So, uh, I got it when I was a kid. Yeah, I have no idea how old it is actually, but okay. it's uh it does have a, a Cali finish on the corner. Yes. It's not the same. Yeah, that's the original. That's the original one. Yeah, yeah the one we original. see now is sort of a, a refresh update, and it's got an yeah. autograph on it too. Yeah, this is actually a <laughs> shout out to uh, to Scott Hannon. This was his yes, auto- autograph by Scotty back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> way back in guys, the day. yeah we had a great interview with scott hand a couple months ago so if you haven't heard it it was a lot of fun yeah um i doubt he remembers signing this jersey but he did <laughs> <laughs> anyway um so i'm happy this week that's why we're giving a jersey i think the sharks and they called up muka Badulin, which i've been wanting to have happen for a little while too so i can't be mad at the sharks this week that's my answer <laughs> fair enough but the week uh, like I said, uh, uh, they, they, they did some good things. A couple things that stood out to me, uh, before we'll talk about Shakir's, uh, first, uh, game in a second, but, um, I like how, how Eklund has played, uh, since he's, uh, moved on to the Nico Sturm line. A lot of, uh, some fans thought it was sort of a kiss of death, but he actually looks, uh, um, like it sounded like kind of uh, lip service when, when Quinn said, oh, this might get an easier matchups, but. Uh, there actually might be some uh, some credence to it. Um, uh, Eklund had a couple of assists, primary assists tonight, and they were both against uh, the Sabres' third line. Um, and so you might be a little, little a little bit to that. And you ask, uh, you ask, uh, um, or I, I asked Eklund uh, after uh, tonight's game uh, why it seems like he's had a little more offense since he's moved down with uh, Sturm and, and Cunning. And he talked about um, he feels like he's just outworking everybody. And again, that sounds like a cliched answer, but there might be something to that, though, that when you're on the line like that, you just kind of play. You kind of think in a more direct way. You you play a little, maybe a little less east-west. You try. You're not quite as fancy because you're not playing with Tomas Schurdo. You're not playing with a guy like, I don't know uh anthony duclair or mike hoffman or any 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 of those guys who have scored a lot of angel goals in their career and so you play kind of a, a maybe a more basic direct game and anyway mm-hmm. um i thought that uh, eklund tonight against buffalo might have been uh, might have been their best player and um i the last couple games in general i think he's shown a lot of activity um you know the goal he scored a couple games ago was also on that line and so I think it's it's been it's been a good change. He's sort of been uh, sort of a a secret weapon on that third line, sort of the offensive catalyst there. And it's it's been it's it's been uh, it's been good for him. And eventually, he will work his way back into the top six. He has actually last few games uh, when he started off hot, he's been he's been moved up against Buffalo today. He got moved up to the second line. Uh, I think uh, the LA game, maybe at yeah, LA game, uh, he got moved up uh, to hurdles line in the second half of the game uh, before uh, they, the next game, they, they put him back with the Sturm mm-hmm. line. So, so I think Eklund has helped make the third line also more offensive. It's just more kind of more balanced there. And so anyway, I think, I think it's been a, it's been a, it's been a pretty good thing uh, for him there. And it's good to see him kind of uh, uh, doing a bit more offensively, especially uh, five on five. Good to see him bounce back too, because he was kind of on a little bit of a rough stretch there. Mm-hmm. And um, I have not been able to watch the, uh, the Buffalo game yet. I'm going to 
hit it on replay this weekend sometime. Um, but uh, did he play penalty kill as well? Yeah, he's been playing penalty kill. I was looking at that. Um, uh, he's been playing penalty kills uh, regularly since I think the Ottawa game. And yeah. um, and Quinn has kind of mentioned, I think, uh, after the Chicago game, after he hit the crossbar, Quinn's mentioned that they've been pretty happy about his penalty kill. And in terms of the usage, mm-hmm. it's sort of proof in the pudding that he's been a first or second choice uh, penalty killer. Um, I think he's been with uh, Sturm the last couple of games since uh, Sturm has mm-hmm. come back. And um, yeah, like it seems like they are they are happy with him. They're actually getting some kills, I think, the last couple of games here. And yeah. it's something to worth kind of d- dig on a little bit to see where he's improved in that area because they have tried him on and off. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like it looks like, it looks like that's, that's going well. So that's, that's something worth, worth checking into now. But, um, yeah, after I think a little bit of a, um, a dip in terms of his production and maybe yeah. a little worried that the season's getting too long for him or he's getting ground down a little bit again, like I said, it's nice to see him kind of bounce back here and then he's going to have that all-star break too coming up to, to kind of charge up some more to, uh, to finish strong and get himself to those uh, 40 points that you predicted at the beginning of the season. I mean, how close are we? He's probably got 20 now. He's got to be in the 20s. He had two assists tonight. So he might be at a, mm-hmm. like, uh, exact 20 right 22. now. Is it 21, 22? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think something somewhere around there. Yeah, um, so he's a little off pace, but uh, just a, a little a, bit of a hot streak. Just a little bit of a yeah. hot streak, right? Although I feel, like, I feel like um, before he got injured last year around this time, he was he started to pick up his play too. So I think you're, there was a little bit of a lull, and, and hopefully he's found his groove and is out of that yeah. uh, midseason slump. This happens a lot with players, especially the right, younger players. Making their, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, younger players making their, their way into the NHL. This is, is pretty common. So. But and then you know, Eklund obviously. Uh, go ahead. He's he's a pro, like you, you yeah, probably yeah, got to yeah. mention. He's he's like got a great mentality for for how yeah. he approaches the game. So yeah, Kator mentioned that after the game uh, today. Yeah. Yeah, Tom, I love that. And, <laughs> and I think for him too, uh, obviously with his size, every night he he mm-hmm. can't. Uh, how do you say it? Um, uh, he can't be lazy one night and like kind of rely on his size and that too. Sure. Every night's got to he's got to sort of be like on top of his game just just mentally or he, or he, someone's going to clobber him. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so and so that could be a grind I would I would imagine uh um to find that consistency but mm-hmm. um I again I, I think it just it's just uh... good that um that it's up and down but there's it's not like we're out of ups though there's you know and we're on a up now it feels like. Mm-hmm. He's slippery Pete, so he can just dodge checks at all times. Um, at his best, he is. Up. There's some nights that he's not doing yeah. it, and that's 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 what gets you a little concerned at times. But uh, mm-hmm. he last couple nights, though, or last couple games, he's uh, he's been slippery for sure. I think Greer mentioned that in his availability too. That he's just he doesn't back down from guys that are bigger yeah. than him, which love to see it. He's got that fire. You do, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, happy for for Eklund. Um, and uh, happy for the team. I feel like there has been a little bit of a change over the. And we I think we touched on it or or thought we might see this when Couture came back. That um they've been better. Um, yeah, significantly yeah, but, better since Couture. Yeah, and let's back. not forget Sturm too. So yeah, and Sturm, yeah, Sturm, yeah. Couture. This team feels like it's more solidified up front than it has been in a while. Um, they did. It did feel like they missed. Uh, or they might have missed Mario tonight. Um, just watching the the highlights of the. The uh, the goals the mm-hmm. the um, and Burroughs was on the ice for like three or four of the goals. Yeah, that was a rough pairing tonight. That did not seem like it tonight. was able to yeah. carry water that well this uh, tonight. But they might have missed Ferraro. 
Yeah, no, they did. They did for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's talk about Luka Madulin. Um, again, I have not been able to watch the game yet, um, just based on like my work schedules and stuff. But you did. Um, how did you think he did? And how, what were some of the reactions from the coaching staff or um, what you saw on the ice? Well, yeah, they, they were uh, very enthusiastic after the game. Uh, David Quinn said he looked like he belonged in NHL tonight. Um, I, I think that there's <clears throat> maybe uh, uh, I, I, my, my uh, 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 praise isn't unfiltered. I get, or there, <laughs> there, there, there's, there's praise and there's some stuff that, that, that I have questions about. Uh, but in terms of just my overall impression, though, uh, of, of him, um, you see just that the tools are so obvious. Uh, one of the plays that that stick out in my in my mind and kind of it, it's both good and bad. It was really early in the game. It might have been the second shift. And I think uh, it was uh, Eric Robinson. Uh, if I've got his name, it's Eric Robinson, right? With the Sabres. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to confuse it with, with Buddy. Buddy Rod. I know there's a few Robinsons out there that are like borderline borderline types. So. Uh, but anyway, though, yeah, all the Robinsons, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, Robinson was standing off to the side of Kakinen and he had, and he was, he was, uh, he was coming from behind the net and either looking for maybe a wrap round or a pass. Right. And Mukumadulin was on the wrong side of him. And mm-hmm. you could see Mukumadulin was kind of like, Oh wait, where am I supposed to be? He was slow. He was slow to, to get over there. But once he decided, oh, that's my guy, he was so quick and so long on Robinson. And Robinson, you know, is a fourth liner, right? And this is why a guy is on a fourth line. He 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 kind of uh, 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 did not judge his time and space well. And so Mukhmadulin was able to take the puck from him or uh, stick mm-hmm. stick it away, right? And so anyway, that overall sequence just kind of, it teases his quickness and his length. Uh, yeah. But of course, though, uh, he's still got to get to speed with sort of the NHL pace. Another uh, play uh, that was sort of clear that uh, he's not quite at, at the speed of the NHL yet is uh, he had the puck uh, uh, back to the point, Mukumadulin, and then Tage Thompson was was all over him. And mm-hmm. Tage Thompson, obviously one of the best players in, in the league, uh, also uh, long and quick too, kind of like mm-hmm. Mukumadulin, right, in terms of just uh, uh, the frame, right? Uh, obviously stronger. Uh, he's uh, more mature than Mukumadulin. But, um, you know, Mukumadulin looked like he was maybe trying to corral the puck, settle the puck down, make a play in that situation. That's a situation where Mukumadulin is going to learn that that is uh, that is uh, one of the, the best players in the league coming at me. This is the NHL. You don't have time. You just gotta. You just. You just. That. That's one where you live to fight another day. You don't. You don't turn it over uh, high in the zone, as we know. That's a uh, recipe for a counterattack, right? That's just feeding their counterattack. That's a play where you just. You just get it behind Thompson, and uh, hopefully your forward. Win, you know, again, live to fight another day. Just get it in deep. Sometimes you got to do that, right? Sometimes the best play is kind of no play, so you can't always make a spectacular play there. And so that's one that definitely was a little bit uh, um, deer in the headlights a little bit. But again, this is Tate Thompson, one of the you know, <laughs> one of the best players in the world. So so it's okay. Uh, I, I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not uh, 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 killing him for it. Um, in terms of the good though, uh, he led uh, the uh, both teams with uh, nine shot attempts. He was firing it from everywhere. Three of the shots got through. Uh, he was just whipping it, whipping it at, at, at the net, almost almost at will there. And that's that's a that's a very good sign. Uh, his puck moving um, wasn't as crisp as, as you would like on a power play in particular. Sure. He had one chance. He just it was a dead giveaway. I'm not really sure who he, 
I think he just missed his pass. So this was not, and I, and I, it was just one of those, you know, uh, that, that happens to players. They just, they just missed it. But maybe he was a little nervous. Who knows, right? Uh, sure. But overall, though, if uh, my overall sort of uh, analysis, uh, you see all the tools. Um, of course, you saw a lot of uh, nerves and whatnot. Uh, we'll see if it settles down, settles down a bit. We'll get to the injury news in a little bit, but it sounds like he's going to have. Um, essentially, uh, uh, until the uh, these next uh, three games, the All Star break. So, what the next uh, two games? I think now actually. So, uh, they have two mm-hmm. games left before before their break. And so, mm-hmm. I would think that he stays in, and they kind of just see uh, what he's got. It, then it's interesting to to say because watching Mukabadul in the AHL, it feels like he knows what to do most situations. And I wonder, just like you're mentioning, like the NHL pace is just. He got he's got to get up to that level. Oh, it's it, another level, yeah. So yeah, yeah so, so that, that's that's what I because like you know you watch him and he just it feels like he gets it at the AHL level, and I really really hope that there's like this period where he gets it at the NHL level. Like they're just they like, seem that confident kind of that, that that he will. Um, yeah. I I I mentioned to you and I I wrote in a story that um that uh, Quinn Edmund this is before they called him up that um that. The kind of the, the what he had been hearing about Mukumudulin was that this was a guy that um, that 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 has sort of a uh, we talked about with Run and Eklund or I've written about it that uh, and Quinn has said this is Quinn's quote that they don't let their failures get in the way of their development sure. you know they're not so in their kind of they're 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 not so in themselves when 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 they when they mess up that they can't learn from it that they can't grow from it. Uh, you know, beating themselves up over every little mistake, that kind of thing, right? And Mukumadul and um, has sort of, uh, according to uh, to Quinn and Mot- and and also Couture mentioned this after the game, just a sort of a calm. And mm-hmm. like I mentioned, Quinn said that yeah, Mukumadul is not a guy to beat himself up over over his mistakes. That he is somebody that um, that they believe uh, can can develop here. Uh, uh, and you know, being a Sharks defenseman, especially this year, you're do for a lot of failure, <laughs> a lot of failure. Got to be very tough-minded, I think, to kind of grow and develop as a Sharks defenseman this year. And uh, yeah. Quinn also <laughs> mentioned, actually, uh, besides Run, also Emerson as being uh, cut in that same cloth as not uh, not wearing the mistakes so much that it affects them the next period or the next game and that sort of thing, right? And so uh, Mukumadulin sounds like that they believe he, he has that kind of uh, mental... Uh, 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 kind of that mental game, uh, he's got that down. And so if you add that to his obvious physical attributes, um, that, um, that, yeah, that there's, there's, a, there's a good chance that, um, I won't say that he's seen the loss of the AHL, but um, I wouldn't rule it out though, uh, because uh, uh, hearing that, that he has that kind of mental makeup along with, again, his, his obvious physical skills. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I, 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 I can, I can see him kind of showing that he's got to stay here, but we'll see though. We're still a long way from that decision. Um, it, yeah, after the all-star break, Sharks get a lot healthier. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if he's a shoe in uh, for the lineup, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, um, and then trade uh, lots of light. They, they might, uh, they might shuffle around some defensemen. There, there might right. be a spot open after that. Too, right. So. Right. After that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's still a little a little while away. So, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I'm excited to to watch the other two games that he's going to play here and see um, how he adapts. I guess like how his, his yeah. game has changed from this one first little 
dip your toe into this. I don't worry about his offense so much. So even though True. like uh, it wasn't like his most outstanding offensive game, and again he led the both teams in shot attempts. So it wasn't shot, like he was. For sure. Yeah, he wasn't doing anything offensively. Yeah. But uh, I don't worry about that. And so mm-hmm. I liked again seeing seeing how his uh, quickness and his length was was uh, useful defensively. Um, mm-hmm. He's obviously the processing part. He'll learn that with experience. Um, and so overall, I, I think there was a lot to like tonight. Yeah. I mean, Quinn said similar, right? Like that mm-hmm. he was, Absolutely, yeah. uh, he was impressed with them after the game and he thought he had a very good, I think the words were very good NHL debut, something like that. Well, it just, uh, yeah, he said um, that uh, uh, he looked like he liked, like he belonged. And again, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be, they're not going to, they're going to be uh, uh, very kind in, with their words. <laughs> of course. As the guys for NHL games. So, so yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily take that uh, as gospel, but um, sure. For sure, I agree. Though that there was a lot of a lot of uh, a good thing shown, and mm-hmm. so if he can grow from here, then yes, he belongs in NHL. Sure. If this is sort of you know, if this is the plateau and 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 this is the best game he has in in his next three games, you send him back down. Um, yeah. So we'll see. It's so it's still a little bit a uh, uh, wait and see. So it wasn't like he had this one game, but it's like okay, this guy absolutely belongs here. So I wouldn't say that. I don't. I don't think he has such a good game that. You can uh, get your your eighty five Cali Finn jersey. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> and you know, it's <laughs> a good segue though. Um, to the Cali Finn jerseys. Um, because yeah, I, I think we'll we'll have more to say about Mukabdulin next week. Yeah, plenty, plenty. Plus a few more games. Uh, let's move on to the jersey. I um, I think okay. So we'll, you have opinions. Um, I'm gonna get my quick opinion out about it mm-hmm. i like it but i think they could have done a little bit more to make it seem more i don't know what the word is like iconic more mm-hmm. not unique but more like uh stand outish it doesn't feel like the mm-hmm. the logo itself stands out enough for the jersey and i think there are too many stripes we talked about this last week <laughs> and um but they had a chance there to like really make it a unique jersey for the sharks because it is an interesting logo i think in my opinion for uh for an nhl team that they could have maybe done a little bit more with and then made it like a really standout jersey for me but i i like it overall but i like anything sharks so most anything <laughs> sharks i didn't really love the orange era i wasn't a huge fan of all the the orange that we used to bring into jerseys so it's never my thing but anyway what do you think, Shang? What do the people think? I guess is a better question. I don't know. Well, I told I spoke <laughs> with uh, Doug Bentz. Uh, he is the chief marketing officer of the Sharks. Um, he says some he's things that, like that. It. Well, of course, he would like the jersey. Yeah, because he, he designed them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but some people took uh, something he said they didn't really like it. And uh, I, you know, I, when we talked about it last week, and I mentioned the the the, the stripiness, I didn't like it. Um, I also wondered why they didn't just go with the the shark logo, the the classic one, right? With the old school one that you're wearing, or even the the current one, right? They, why they didn't just stick stick that on, right? Mm. And uh, I I don't want to miss misquote him, but uh, Doug uh, basically said, uh, and I quote: "People love the shark, but it's a little cartoonish. It's it's like, hey, this is hockey." Mm-hmm. And what what he was trying to what the point he was trying to make is that uh, that with the reason why they picked this logo is that they wanted something that would appeal to larger audiences besides sharks fans. Yeah. 
Um, and I'll give you an example of sort of uh, uh, of uh, of what they're, what they're going for. What you like it or not, if you're a Sharks fan. But mm-hmm. I spoke with a friend actually. Um, the 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 night of the jersey unveiling, uh, after I wrote my story, I, I met with a friend at a bar, and he's a casual Sharks fan. Uh, he last time he was at a Sharks game, I think, was the 2019 playoffs. Uh, he uh, he's not a diehard, but he is a he is a fan. If he's going to pick a hockey team, it's it's going to be the Sharks. Um, he 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 knows he knows a couple of the players. Uh, obviously, Couture sure. uh, and Hurt and Hurdle doesn't really know anybody else right now, which is <laughs> it's about uh, it, right? which is about right uh, for mm-hmm. the, the casual Sharks fan. And I showed him the jersey, and then I asked him um, if you were to buy a jersey, if we're going to wear it out, which one are you going to pick? And he said, "Well, for sure, he would pick the Cali Finn one." Hmm. And, um, and, and D- Doug talked about too, in our interview that he's, that they're trying to, to appeal to, uh, uh, sort of, um, uh, fans again, outside of, outside of the, the hardcore sharks fan base, you know, they want to do Jersey that of course, a hardcore, some, some hardcore sharks fans will like, not all of them, obviously, because not all of them like Jersey, but would appeal to kind of all sets and, I think I find that you know a lot of the reaction was very negative uh, online to it. A lot of people were really mad that he called the Sharks logo cartoonish, which is <laughs> that's a cartoon. A cartoon's a drawing. I know I I'm a big comic book fan uh, since I was a kid too, way before comic book movies, mm-hmm. and so like I know about the yeah, cartoonish does have a negative connotation, right? But sure. it's not all the time though, right? And especially not from a, a a marketing guy that works all the time with the Sharks logo. He loves the Sharks logo too. Uh, but um, but he's not wrong though, in a sense, when he says that, and this is the same conversation I have with my friend. And of course, I know my friend is just one person. I'm not trying to say that this represents the entire uh, uh, non-fan base or casual fan base or whatever. But, uh, but you might want to wear a jersey. Let's say you go to the bar. You might want to wear a jersey, right? But you may not want to wear a bright teal jersey with a Sharks logo, with a shark literally chomping a stick. I mean that that's that that is a cartoon. That is the definition of a, of, a, of a cartoon, right? Yeah, and but... you may want something a little more subtle, a little more understated. And so that's that's where I think they're trying to get to with uh, with this uh, Cali. And I'm not saying that they get there. I still don't love the jersey that much. I, I like it more after understanding their motivation. Uh, like I mentioned mm-hmm. last week, I, I do have a marketing background, so like I, I get it after talking with Doug a little more, but it doesn't mean I like it. it. doesn't mean that, that again, <laughs> the jersey's not made for me though. And it's the thing is yeah. that last week we talked about this, right? And we talked about like, uh, I think I said something like, oh yeah, it's not made for me. I'm not a fan. I don't know if the jersey is necessarily made again for, and we're, that's what I'm understanding. It's not necessarily made for the airy, the, the, the diehard Sharks fan either though. Sure. Of course they want the diehard Sharks fan to like it and buy it, of course, but mm-hmm. they want something that might appeal outside of it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's that's uh, that's 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 good marketing. Uh, that's what you should do with the third jersey. You already have your home and road to appeal to your kind of your hardcore diehard fans. Um, sure. And I think in general too, it speaks to. I know I'm getting kind of uh, long winded about it's just a freaking jersey. Who cares in the end? But um, you go off, man. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. I think. Maybe it's hockey fans in particular because hockey is such an insular sports, uh, such mm-hmm. a um, 
there's that please like my sport audience, but there's also that audience that, or the part of that audience that is like, if if you like the sport, you better love it the right way. Kind of like uh, that okay. band, you know, hockey is like that band that that we're mm. all kind of that that small time band that that yep. that, that that everybody's into, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And then if they blow up, if they become like a stadium show, like Taylor Swift or U2, there's gonna be so many angry people if that happens. 20, 30 years from now. And I, I, I do think I, I see some of the same kind of elements of that where, where, where I think fans are really upset when he says something like that, when, when he kind of, uh, I, I wouldn't go as far as denigrates, but doesn't give the, the Sharks logo as much love and as much respect as the, as the, as, as the, die, as, as a diehard fan wants. But I feel like I feel like a lot of hockey fans still they, they have trouble kind of opening themselves up to new things mm-hmm. and new things like a shark jersey that uses uh, a shark fin <laughs> and yeah, not not I... the old school logo and even the that it is the sharks logo is the definition of a it is a cartoon look at what what a cartoon mm-hmm. definition something animated it's <clears throat> it's a it's a shark eating a <laughs> yeah chomping a freaking I... stick. And it's not like they came, again, they didn't come up with this logo out of nowhere. This is on a jersey from 2003 or five or whatever this is. Well, it's, no, it's, it's original. It's, it's different, original. but it, it's, it was, with, yeah, yeah, with exactly. the, the point the is, that logo. yeah, it's, it's, it's not just as iconic as the shark head, obviously. Like, there's no comparison in terms of the thing, but it's not like it's, it's iconography, at least from the inception of the sharks. It's not like they're bringing it up out of nowhere and say, like, this is our new thing. Like, I think the, the Panthers did that and they put this, new logo that looks kind of more i'll call it soccer-ish more like mm-hmm. widespread like the panthers new logo with the little crest or whatever oh sure yeah not new but you know it's been a few years now but like that's kind of they came up with that out of nowhere pretty much and like this isn't what they're doing they're just trying to appeal to a wider audience with a and it, it kind of works for me like it's it is understated in a way that um i like because mm-hmm. Uh, you know i but i get it fans are like don't diss our shark shark head because this is a very (laughs) unique and cool logo like this is this is iconic for the san jose sharks so i get that but i don't know i'm still gonna buy it because yeah i like it. are you okay well there you go then yeah well it's it's a kind of jersey that'll, that'll make it less likely that you'll be razzed in a uh, in a New England bar, <laughs> I'll buy it um, if they put yeah. Gushin in it. If we get a Gushin debut or get a Gushin, there's game a good chance of it. Uh, they're gonna wear it for every home game through February and March, and uh, so there's a good goose, chance goose. after trade deadline that that we might see uh, the goose. The goose might get loose in in uh, in in these jerseys, but yeah, then we'll buy a Gushin one. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so so I I like the the idea of what they're doing. I don't necessarily love the execution. It's still a bit stripey to me. Even though Duck yeah. did explain the the purpose of the stripes, and it's a callback to uh, uh, Hispanic uh, textiles. Uh, something called the yarn dyed kind of the the stripes, and you mm-hmm. see it. And he he mentioned in particular uh, Baja hoodies. And actually, I had a buddy in college I had one of these hoodies and so uh, so yeah so I can see what he's talking about so it's it's a very subtle callback to like that surf culture and sure. for me the 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 touch there is a little too subtle 
Yeah. And I'm not saying you need to have something that is uh, um, just out there. Oh, this is Hispanic or this is Asian or whatever, right? You don't want that either for a third jersey necessarily. But it was maybe a little too subtle for me. Um, so, and, and that's of course it's a hard thing to find something that is not too subtle, but it doesn't mm-hmm. seem too in your face either. Uh, and so I don't know if they they found that there with in terms of that cultural touch. Um, yeah. They also mentioned too that they wanted a jersey that pills to kind of Northern California, so that's why they included the the Northern the California Stadium, yeah, Stadium Series patch from 2015. Um, but that again, I think I think there could have been more done there. I'm not sure how that uh, to do it without being uh, too like overstated about it, like having like a silhouette of the Golden Gate Bridge <laughs> on your jersey. Yeah. That's overstated, right? And so, True. and so, of course, it's good that they, they didn't necessarily have that. Not criticizing the Warriors who do, but it wouldn't fit for the, the San Jose Sharks to have uh, an image <laughs> of the of the Golden Gate Bridge on their, on their jersey. Um, so I'm not sure about the execution uh, of it, but uh, the idea of, of using a logo works for me, though, so. Yeah, I think it'll grow on us too. I, I just I have a feeling it's gonna look a little bit better on the ice, like in actual games. I think it'll look pretty good, pretty slick, hopefully. Um, and I remember yeah. that feeling the same way with the the change of the the new teal. I think last year, two years ago, it was like a last slightly year. different last year. Um, yeah, an all teal look. Yeah. Yeah. It, it like at the beginning, I was like, "Oh God, it's a lot of teal," and then <laughs> yeah, it's kind of growing on me. Like I kind of like it. Um, but yeah, all in my my thought in terms of just the, um, I feel like, I feel I I I feel I I feel like the the this jersey again is not necessarily made for the diehard Sharks fan watches every game. Um, it's it's something it's something new, and mm-hmm. I I think that that is I think in general for 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 not just I guess hockey fan, but I think hockey in particular is a sport that is uh, insular that way that I find um that less less open to these things that yeah uh i guess i i would say that that uh i i i appreciate more the effort that they're that they're making uh that they didn't just go with like again you know the jersey you know they they could have made like and i said it before like the first retro for for example that 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 should have been that should have been a, a gray heritage jersey and they would have mm-hmm. sold sold well among the diehards, but would that have appealed to um, just the average Northern California person? Maybe not as much. And I think that's part of the calculation. Uh, I know one thing I asked Doug, and he gave a very clear answer to. I asked them uh, why they opted for black instead of gray, because I think some fans would some you know I think the diehard fans are tired of seeing black in in mm-hmm. uh, as a primary color in jerseys. But sure. he just dugs it flat out. Black sells better, and the players like it more too. And I actually talked with. I'm gonna uh, come out with it. I think after uh, uh, or when the jersey debuts on February 17th. But um, I asked Nico Stern because Nico was uh, modeling the jersey. He he, he modeled along with Kator and Kakinen, uh State of the Sharks. And I and I asked him uh, why black appeals to players more than the gray. And he was pretty. He actually repeated. And Nico, I think, mentioned that he. He he studied marketing at school, so <laughs> he, everything Nico said was exactly what 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 Doug said, and he hadn't even read the Doug Benson interview before. Wow, you know, he had an understanding of of, of of that, and so I think I, I think again, just the um, the, the the fan the, the the jersey was made for beyond the mm-hmm. the diehard fan, and I do think sometimes diehard fans uh, have trouble, I guess, with that concept that like 
hockey wants to appeal to more than your band wants to appeal to they want to they want they want to open they want to open stadiums they they don't they don't, they don't want to just be in in a 16,000 arena they want to they want to they they, they want to play at at at, uh, at Levi stadium uh not just for one one game like the Sharks did a long time ago but they want to open they want to have a, a a week of shows at Levi stadium or wherever Wembley or whatever right and so <laughs> um so I think I think I think that's that's the that's that's the idea of it. And again, I don't mind the idea. I think the execution. I like I said, I I don't love it. Uh, I if I were a fan, I wouldn't buy it. But again, like we talked about last week, the jersey's not made for me either. So that's fan right. or writer or, or or whatever. So I'd be curious what there are other um, not to to put our viewers onto different. To podcasts, I mean, you guys can you guys know all the San Jose Sharks podcasts. There are other podcasts. <laughs> yeah, they can go to their podcasts. It's fine, yeah. but there are other podcasts that um that are very good at covering Sharks jerseys. That um I wonder what their thoughts are on this because I'm not a jersey expert by any means at all. Like, <laughs> I like jerseys. I have plenty of jerseys, but I don't like a lot of people go really in depth in them. Have like catalogs and they know exactly what year and exactly what make and like all these things about jerseys and never really been my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I wonder what a few other certain San Jose Sharks podcasts have to say about the jerseys. So I'll have yeah, to take a look and see. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, I haven't watched it yet, but maybe okay. I'll look around because they, yeah. they will, they spend a long time on the jerseys and reviewing them and stuff. So yeah, anyway, but, uh, I, I like it. I, I'll buy it probably. Okay. That or, or an AHL all-star jersey for Gushin. If Gushin plays in the AHL All-Star game. Oh, there's another segue there. Bam, look at this. We, I, You know, we're getting better at this, man. <laughs> I mean, I think we have injuries for both the NHL and AHL, but I guess we can talk Major about ones, the, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Goose because we just brought it up, but he got taken out of the game yesterday, right? He or, left the game or, uh, after yeah. the first period, upper body injury. I'm not yeah. sure when it happened uh, because Gushin played the very last shift of the first period, and I... Just uh, observing, didn't see anything uh, really off about him, but uh, but uh, he was nowhere to be found uh, at the beginning of the second period. Uh, he missed mm-hmm. some power plays, and he started to figure something's going on. And yeah, never he never came back after that. And so there is some kind of injury. Still waiting to find out more. That's uh, that's that's uh, what uh, is my understanding right now. That uh, it's not um, it's not certain if uh, if he will uh, he will be available for the All Star game um february 4th and 5th uh but it hasn't been rolled out yet either which i guess so we'll see and so i think we'll find out more in the coming days and uh, i'll be i'll be on that story because obviously uh he uh um yeah he he's the barracudas right now he's their lone all-star he's the most deserving all-star he deserves it uh from what i've heard i think i can say this i believe his, his dad is actually coming from 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 russia to watch him uh and so it would be shame if if uh if uh if uh, goose couldn't play um and so we'll see uh like i said i'll i'll, I'll be on that story and i also tell i was looking at i didn't realize that the bear could have such a such such a rugged uh unforgiving schedule they play in abbotsford on the second and the third and then they mm. got to come back for for Alice <laughs> Gushin or whoever is in the All Star game has to come back for uh, for 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 mm-hmm. that on the fourth and the fifth. So that's pretty crazy. But I um I have no knowledge of the injury, and I actually saw that first period. He looked fine, so I don't know what yeah, I didn't exactly happened. Um, but anyway, I have no knowledge of the injury. But I he's gonna come back. He'll be fine. Okay, <laughs> that's my prediction. Let's hope so. Let's yeah, hope so. Let's hope yeah. so. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Otherwise, he... uh, Leon Gavanka or Shakir Mukhamadoulin will either change yeah. their plan. So. <laughs> yeah, they got to be our representative for the All Star game. Which yeah, you want someone to get excited way. about. Yeah, you want something to, for fan base getting uh, that they can rally behind. Uh, no. uh, yeah. Kind of prospect uh, so. injury, other guys, AHL stuff. Bordelow came back tonight, scored a goal. Yeah, um, yeah, that's so. good. And Kavanka, um, I McCarthy said that Kavanka's missed the last couple of games with the upper body injury, and mm-hmm. so uh, they're hoping that he is ready for the weekend series against uh Abbotsford. And sure. so we'll see. Hopefully, that's a lot of offense for them too, Gushin and Kavanka. So hopefully, uh, both of them uh, come back. Um, on the NHL side, we have a lot of injuries too. Just a quick uh, run run through. Uh, basically, uh, Granlin, Ferraro, and Thrun are all doing pretty well considering they're injured. It could have been worse for all of them, it seems like. But I think that there's a lot of optimism that they'll be back uh, right after the All Star uh, the the All Star slash bye week, the 13 days the Sharks have off. And so if they do come back, then the Sharks are going to be a pretty healthy team there. Um, and so hopefully they do all they do all come back. Um, and let's see, the last other injury that seems close is uh, Jacob McDonald. He seems close. Uh, McDonald hype train. Hopefully that starts up again. And yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's your injury update. Always seems to be a lot of injuries, uh, with the sharks this yeah. year. Let's see who came back off of a tie. Emerson came back. Emerson came off. Yeah. Sturm, Couture all came off this week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We talked about, did we talk about Couture already? I thought we talked about a lot. We yeah. Did. Because we he came did. back to an Anaheim game. So, and Sturm yeah. too. So we did. Just making sure that we didn't miss anybody. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Now the big topic. We've been rambling for like 40 minutes on little <laughs> things. Um, so Greer had like a media availability this week, right? Oh, uh, yes, sharks. he did. So there's yes. the before we get to the the sort of the the, the main thing we're going to talk about, the realistic path for the Sharks to be competitive by 2025, 20, 26. Is there anything else from Greer's availability, which you can find the full availability at, on San Jose Hockey now? Uh, yep. Anything else you want to touch on before we get to uh, the, the meat, I guess? Um, I guess a few things. Um, mm-hmm. The the Will Smith thing was interesting. Um, Will Smith, um, basically, the question was kind of phrased as... Uh, was awkward, right? Like I, I wasn't, I didn't hear it, um, but it was kind of a, why isn't Will Smith in the NHL? He's our fourth overall oh. <laughs> pick. What about Patrick <laughs> that was, that was By the way, that, that, um, that, that, that was, uh, that was a season ticket holder question. That wasn't from yeah, one of the, the that wasn't members. from Shang. Um, <laughs> was it wasn't Shang and, a, Shang and a little mustache <laughs> in the corner <laughs> or something like that. Shang in a, um, in an old, old, old school, uh, yeah. A heritage yeah. jersey. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't me in a top hat. Like, why is it Will Smith? <laughs> anyway, um, so it, it kind of put Greer, I guess, in like an awkward situation where he had to answer why uh, Will Smith wasn't uh, in the NHL, which is a strange thing to have to ask um, for any 18-year-old. Because, uh, like, the NHL is different than most sports. Like, you don't go straight from the draft to playing in, in your league very often in the NHL. Um, so it, it kind of put him on the back burner. Basically, put it down to... His body isn't there all the way. He has a lot of skill, but he's still under. He said physically. as much skill as as Carlson and Fantilli. I actually really loved, uh, and I mentioned that in, in, in one of my stories. He, I loved how he how he how he stood up for for Will. Uh, mm-hmm. We have to remember, of course, everyone listening knows uh, that it's the exception and not the rule. Obviously, yep. for an eighteen year old to be in the NHL, so guys like. Bedard and Fantilli and Carlson and uh, Marlowe. Those are those are the exceptions, right? And so, yeah, yeah, by far. And 
so I, I love that he just stood up and said he's every bit as skilled. And he also was careful not to say Bedard because he's not stupid. He's not, <laughs> he's not, he's not going to overstate his case either. But mm-hmm. he, he, he talked about just, again, just pure skill that Smith is True. right there with those guys with picks two and three of the draft. But yeah, his body is not quite as developed and just got to, got to have patience. Let him, let him uh, work into his body more. But Greer has that streak though. He did that actually when they hired Quinn. And actually, I think it was me. I asked about, um, uh, sort of the reputation that, that Quinn had before that of, of not handling young players. Well, and I've debunked that plenty of times myself, but I still was curious what he said about it though, what Quinn would say about it that reputation and what uh what Greer might say about it. and Greer I, I don't remember exactly the circumstance I gotta look back at the story but Greer stood up for his guy and Greer of course was known as that type of player when he played uh that he would stand up for his guys and so I kind of like to I like even though the question was uh not a good question in a lot of ways um it's still a, a paying customer a season ticket holder and you got to hear him out and yeah you're on your defense a little bit, but you stand up for your guy and that's, and that's, and that's what he did there. And so I, so I yeah. like kind of just Greer being put in that position and, and him uh, standing on it and standing up for his guy. Like, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think it showed something there. Yeah. And it shows he, he still has tons and tons of faith in Will Smith. And it's not mm-hmm. like Will Smith has done anything other than, you know, have, he, he's made everybody kind of believe in that faith a little bit. He had a great world champ or world juniors where he, you know, improved throughout the the more difficult rounds. He's going back to college and he's, you know, doing he's just not in the had, NHL. So <laughs> yeah, he's just not in the NHL. He had two points tonight. He had the the game winning goal against BU. Um so Will Smith's fine. I I think I think people are gonna be um a little bit down on it because he's not Fantilia Carlson and Bedard, but you know it, Carlson was getting nights off multiple times throughout the season just because the Ducks didn't want to rush him. So they're just putting him on the bench for a while. Um, Bedard got injured. He's been out for weeks. Like it's a tough league and give, well, give Will Smith some time. I will say one thing. Let me speak up for for that fan and just for uh, the fans in general. And I'm not saying that I have the right take on this because I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan anymore. But I did mention it in my story that I feel like the Q&As, uh, the, re- the, the season take holders don't get enough questions in. Um, sure. They usually, the way they had this one was like 45 minutes uh, with a panel discussion. Honestly, they're pretty soft, soft questions, right? That, that are being asked of, uh, of the, which I understand that's, that's a, it's a Sharks sure. moderated panel. I don't, I don't expect anything, anything more. <laughs> I don't expect mm-hmm. them to, to be, to, to be, to be interrogated when they're up there. So I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that's a negative. That's to be expected. And then uh, about 20 minutes of, uh, of, uh, uh, of a uh, fan uh, season ticket holder questions. And then they had the Jersey unveiling and I've been to a couple of these events and that seems to be sort of par for course that uh, the season ticket holders don't get a lot of questions. And I have seen, seen some comments actually, I haven't replied yet, but Amy who uh, is a, is a loyal reader. I don't know if she listens to the podcast too, but thank you for your comment. I saw your comment and she said that, yeah, you know, they send these, like she feels like she's heard as a fan. And so maybe I'm wrong about it, but um, wrong about what I'm about to say, but I think it's really important to make the fans feel like they're being heard, even if the, sure. what they say might be unfocused or just kind of not not correct, right? Um, and so I, 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 so in terms of what this fan was saying, mm-hmm. 
if you get to the, the, the core of it, it's just a, a Sharks fan base that needs hope so badly that <laughs> they do, yeah. right? Like, like, so to see if you could see a Carlson out there uh, as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old doing what he's done for Anaheim, even if yeah. it's uh, even if it's like an abbreviated schedule, that brings mm -hmm. so much to the fan base, right? Especially the fan base that has seen the Sharks miss the playoffs. Now it's going to be five straight years. Uh, look at all the joy that 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 you get when you see Eklund do, do something uh, do, do something good, right? And of course, the kind of for like maybe the the uh, the not as uh, sort of. Um, uh, up on it, fan. Let that the, the the bloom is off of Eklund a little bit because he didn't step in as a 19 year old and dominate or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but for for some fans, though, yeah, like it just you need you need as much hope as possible. And I'm not saying that 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 Mike did anything wrong with sort of like he drafted the guy he should have drafted. Look, if if the Sharks had drafted Meechkov like some people want, that'd be three years from now. So <laughs> I think sure. Smith well, should two, be here sooner than three years, right? Or two, yeah, right? Two yeah, two more years after this one. So. Uh, but we would still project Smith to be here sooner. Probably. Uh, but anyway, just just from that fan's point of view, though, that, um, that yeah, the, the um, a lot of fans asked Mike about the timeline, and Mike couldn't answer. And Mike gave the best answer he could about – kind of two or three years hoping that sort of thing, right? Yeah. And uh one more thing about one, Will Smith was, before we get into the the, the, yeah, the timeline ahead. is is the the signing bit about when is Will gonna sign out of college. Because mm -hmm. I thought that was an interesting answer too. Mm -hmm. Um we talked about it a little bit about this before the podcast, but the the whole cutter Gautier like uh trade basically kind of changed how Maybe how GMs are thinking about well, what to do. Well, that's guys. not what it, I don't. I don't know about that. I, it's more sure. about it's a reminder of how much power the college mm -hmm. kids have. Is more than yeah. more what I'm saying. Uh, not that the Gauthier trade will change the kind of the dynamic of, of anything. I don't like, think that it will power, either. I mean, yeah, Cutter, I mean. Cutter had that power five years ago or whatever. If you I meant that whatever, so. maybe it's now kind of like maybe put a little bit of a, a thing in, in GM's mind about how to, to approach these situations with the college kids. Maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that maybe. part of it. I mean, I think like I said, the college kids always had a, a lot of power. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not a, sure about that part of it. Yeah. Anyway, but the point is, is that the Greer's response was kind of like, we'll see how it goes. And if he wants to come yeah. out, cool, we'll do it kind of thing or we'll kind of come together and, and we'll yeah we'll i don't know if you quite said that to. either but i kinda. do i do kind of see that it's probably trending that way that again uh he has a, a will has a, a ton of power so um mm -hmm. so uh so yeah and if you have that power exercise it you know more uh more more power to you and yeah. um so yeah so but uh anyway though i i, I anyway the, the the final point i was going to make though about the, the the fan base there is that um even though the questions were repetitive and uh, Amy mentioned that, yeah, three, three people asked about the timeline and Mike can answer. And I, I get that part that like for the, the, the more, the, for the San Jose hockey now reader, the more educated San Jose hockey now reader, uh, some of these questions might seem repetitive and, and sure. not, uh, uh, not focused. Right. And get, and I get that, that that's tiring, but also speaks to, again, just the, how beaten down the fan base is, how much they need hope. Uh, and, and so, um, so, so I guess I guess what I'm saying is that is that I don't blame the guy who asked that because if you're a Sharks fan, you've been a Sharks fan for a long time. I think he said he's been a fan since 
sometime in the 90s or something like that, right? And the product you're seeing on ice doesn't inspire a lot of hope. <laughs> At least if you're just watching kind of casually, even if you are a longtime fan, but you know, you're not knee deep in the prospects. You don't know your Daniil Gushins from uh, your Thomas Gregors from your Noel Gregors or whatever, right? You don't mm-hmm. know, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't know uh, Hayden Hero, those guys, or you don't know so much about them. You just see their sure. stats a little bit um, that, Man, you know it's a, it's 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 a fan base that has been through it the last few years. So, so I I I, I get the I get the frustration, and that's why um yeah like sometimes I do think that uh that the fan should have a little even if the questions were repetitive like that's your fan base those are the guys who are paying through through thick and thin and they should feel heard and maybe they do and my interpretation is wrong of it but uh um but yeah I anyway I think there's a lot going on with with these kind of. Uh, state of the union kind of things that it's not as simple as, Oh, that's a bad question, but you know, where, yeah. where is that question coming from? And it's, I think it's coming from a, 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 a you know, a fan base that uh, is really exact, very down right now. So very, very down. Want some hope. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. And I get it. Uh, it's just, it was, it was an interesting question for sure. It was. It, it, sometimes <laughs> that gives you interesting answers. It's, it's could have also just saying. been like, yeah. It could have also just been like, you know, players take different times to develop. And that was the, the end of the question. That's not. Yeah. He didn't have to said. say like he is yeah. as, you know, as, <laughs> as he's as good or he's as skilled. I think that's, he's as skilled as, yeah. uh, as a Fantillion Carlson. I, that, that was, that was like an honest moment from, from mm-hmm. Greer that that's probably why they dropped him because that's what they see. Uh, that that's his, that's sort of his, uh, that's what they're projecting uh, of him. So, yeah. It'll be, um, a f- and he mentioned, yeah, like the Will Smith coming out of college that he has some things to accomplish, right? Like he wants to win the national championship. Mm-hmm. He wants to do the bean pot. He has all these things that he wants to do in college. So this next like two, three months, all of those things are going to happen. Um, and, and we'll see just how far BC gets, um, in this whole thing too. Cause you know, if they, they win everything, they, they win the championship, you know, does he, is that like all he wants to do and he's out maybe? Or it right might come down to like they don't win it, they get this close and they don't get there. He he goes back for another year and then he he takes Leonard and, and Perot with him and they they're the new top line for BC next year. So um because Cutter's gonna come out and right join the ducks. So we'll see. Um any any possibility could happen between those two. And then look at Logan Cooley this year. Logan Cooley was supposed to go back to college and then he last minute changed his mind and was like, right, I'm gonna go play in the NHL. Yeah. Um, and, Again, and the was, player has a lot of power in the NCAA, so it's it's just yeah. the reality of the of the situation. So, yeah my my um my hockey prospect analyst mind would want him to go mm-hmm. back to college. My Sharks fandom mind would want him to come to the Sharks. You need hope possible. too, right? I want hope, and also I worry. Yeah. Like as soon as you have them signed, they're they're you know and RFA till they're twenty six. Like you're. You don't have you don't have the cutter Gauthier situation anymore. You don't have right. to try and find a scramble for a trade for Will Smith or whatever. Um, not that any of that's ever like likely because we haven't heard any of that up at all. But you know, my panicked mind would would like him here. <laughs> but that's it. So that's what I found uh, interesting from the the transcript, other than just some of the when he wants the Sharks to be competitive by questions towards the end mm-hmm. there, which were interesting, which is kind of what the, you know, spawned our topic here for today. Sure. Um, yeah. What is the realistic way to get these Sharks from horrible to not so horrible <laughs> in 
span of like one and a half seasons, basically. Yeah. Because like this year and then one more season after this. So by 25-26. And the reason why I chose 2025-26 is if you go back to uh, what Mike said, Mike basically said two to three years uh, to be sort of in the playoff hunt, to be in it kind of. Again, not in the playoffs necessarily. Of course, they'd love mm-hmm. that, but that they're kind of in the conversation at least. And that, of course, 2025-26 is a couple years from now. And that coincides, of course, with a couple of very important developments with the Sharks. Um, first, uh, and we talked about this back with the Eric Carlson trade, if you remember. And uh, I wondered, and a lot of people wondered, why the Sharks retained so little. Uh, they retained mm-hmm. just $1.5 million of Carlson's $11 million contract. They could have retained half of it. That would have been 5.75 AAV uh, for four more years, I think, after this one. Um, and so why, why did they, why didn't they do that and get, maybe get more in return, maybe get, uh, uh, a greater package of assets back, all that kind of stuff. Right. So why did they, why did they choose to, uh, to, to retain, uh, retain so little on, on Carlson's deal? And I'm sorry, it's, uh, three more years after this one. So four, including this year. And so you looked at the contracts that they got back, the kind of the unpleasant contracts that they got back from Montreal and Pittsburgh. Obviously, it's the Grandland, two years left. It's actually it turned out to be a pretty good, a pretty good acquisition there. Uh, Ruda, two years left at two, uh, 2.75 million AAV. And Hoffman expiring this year at 4.5. And so you think to yourself, okay, once all those contracts leave your books, in two years, you have a ton of cap space because you don't retain a lot on Carlson. Yep. And the other thing to throw in there, it's just about the same timeline, but not quite. Uh, Vlasic's contract expires after the 2025-26 season. So you're suddenly going to be flush with money, basically, with, with cap space in two to three years. Uh, the other part of it, too, that we can't forget is Hassel. And we talked uh, with uh, Corey Massasak last week about his wonderful Hassel Plotner story. But we talked about, too, that there was a belief for a while that Hassel would never rebuild. He never wanted to, uh, that he's told people that I'm too old to rebuild. Hassel just turned 80. Perfectly understandable if you're owner of the Sharks and you're 80s, you're 80 years old. You don't want to wait through you don't want to wait through a five year rebuild if you can avoid mm-hmm. it for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And so how did how did how did Mike get 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 the job as GM of the Sharks? And basically, he instituted a rebuild from basically the beginning. He took over, and there was some thought that okay, it's not going to be a rebuild. There was a scuttlebutt over the summer uh, before Mike was hired that GM like GM candidates didn't want to be interviewed because uh, they were they were they were afraid of uh, of uh, of a mandate to win uh, with this yeah. team with this Sharks team, right? And but Mike, uh, one of his first moves was to trade Brent Burns off. Granted, Burns wanted to leave, but this was basically a rebuild move. Um, and then it's continued since then with the trades of Timo Meyer, of Eric Carlson. And so this is clear what we're, what we're in, even if they still don't like to use the word. Um, I'll say the difference now is that they don't object to the word being used when you say the word <laughs> rebuild. They objected to it. They would object yeah. to it two, three years ago. Uh, it's not being objected to anymore. They know what they're in, even if they don't want to say it. Um, and so, and we could talk about why they don't, they don't want to say it. that's a whole nother podcast or article or whatever, but not the point here. But the point is that, that, that they are in a rebuild, but if you yeah. couple that with, with Hassel's desire to win, 
then you got to tell Hasso, you, you got to make him believe that you can, I think it makes sense at least that I don't know this for a fact, but you got to make him believe that you can win relatively soon. And what's the soonest you can do this realistically without, uh, as, as, as Michael, like to say, without, uh, you know, you don't not trying to do it by skipping steps necessarily, but you're trying to do it, uh, slowly methodically, but maybe just a little faster. <laughs> if, that, if, that, if, that, if that makes sense. Right. And so, so I, I think that that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to, they're trying to build a team that is competitive, uh, in a reasonably quick time, but not too quick where they're spending money on old free agents or yep. trading their prospects off for, uh, for guys who are 24 or 23 or just guys that, that can play right now, but don't have the upside. Uh, they're not, or, or signing guys like Timo Meyer, uh, to, to long contracts when it's not quite in the, in the window, you know, Timo will be, uh, early 30, I think, uh, early thirties when, uh, when, when this window hits. So maybe, you know, maybe you don't see Timo's game aging well, his power forward game aging well. And so it's like, ah, maybe it's not a great idea uh, to 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 keep him around, to invest eight years in, in a Timo Meyer. And so anyway, so the, I think the, the idea is is that things sort of crest, crest there. Mm-hmm. And I guess the, the important thing to say is like, I don't think this is like the like 2025 2026 is going to mm-hmm. be the year that we make the playoffs right. or the only year that like this is probably the the start of the trying kind of thing like this right and it's very the... general too when i say 25 26 yeah. it's like mike said two to three years so three mm-hmm. years could be 2026 20, 27 after Vlasic's contract expires so so i i'm not so, so yeah don't hold me to 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 the date i just, just want to give you a general year. sense and, and so I said anyways, this too when um when when Carlson got traded it was like yeah. I, I thought it was very smart just because they didn't have to like they could have retained half and maybe gotten mm-hmm. a little bit more um but I liked the fact that that we don't have to worry about Carlson in two years like there's no more that that era of the Sharks doesn't have to hang over your head yeah when like because it, it still would be for the next however many years if if he was retaining five and a half million dollars every year. Like it still would kind of hang over a little bit. Yeah. And I think that it's a signal too, that the rebuild's going to go all the way to, to that mm-hmm. time kind of. And yeah. I think that they, again, they are hoping, and they've said it too. Um, they said it after the Meyer trade, I think Mike said something to the, uh, to the point, like, I think we'll be a little more competitive sooner than people expect. Um, and so I think his message has been fairly consistent. I don't think there's been too much of a, of a deviation in terms mm-hmm. of what Mike has said, really from day one that he was hired, even though we were under the impression that they might do more to win, I don't think he's ever said anything that 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 really suggests that that's sort of his direction. And also, too, Corey made a really good point last week that if the Sharks were better last year, as maybe Mike had hoped to, if that had happened, that that maybe. Th- Maybe they would approach things differently. Maybe they would have uh, tried to keep Timo and keep Eric and all that kind of stuff, right? If the team yep. showed on the ice that maybe they're a little bit closer than 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 they expected. But I think once those things didn't happen, you know, Mike was really quick. And when they started off off slow last year, they they lost their first five games uh, in a month in November. Uh, Mike was already in in the news saying, "Yeah, everybody's available except for Tommy." <laughs> If you remember that from from last yep. year, and so so it was a very really quick pivot once they realized, yeah, this team isn't is, isn't going to be it. So and maybe that's what they got. They had to show Hassel, like, look, this team isn't it. 
again, we went with the same team. Eric scored 100 points, and we still, we, we still, we still suck. Like this isn't going to work. This, uh, so we got to get off this yeah. ride. Um, so anyway, the the, the way that, uh, that 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 I'm going to kind of uh, uh, break down uh, sort of the realistic path for the Sharks um, is by position, mm-hmm. and we're going to start with we're going to go with goal, defense, forwards, and we'll start in goal. And the goalie, I think, is going to be interesting with the Sharks uh, in a, in, a, in a couple of years, obviously, because they have nobody right now in the, in the system that you look at right now and you think, oh, this guy's a future NHL guy. Uh, Makanyemi uh, can't stay healthy. Uh, Krona, Romanov, they look pretty raw out there, at least at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's got to work out for the Sharks to be competitive in a couple of years? It's probably got to be Blackwood. Because there, there's no I mean, one, there's no one behind him. Yeah, at this moment, what we can see on the depth chart, unless you're picking names out of a hat from around the NHL, it's right. literally just Blackwood. Right, um, right. And Mike uh, did allude to that in the uh, in the state of the Sharks. The fans asked him, and he he said he said and Quinn has said the same thing that they believe that Blackwood can be a elite goalie that he has that talent. I mentioned before that um, Blackwood is Greer Greer acquired him. Uh, he did mm-hmm. not acquire Kakinen. He didn't acquire Aiden Hill. Um, he didn't acquire James Reimer, of course, either. So those those aren't his guys. Blackwood is his acquisition, and um, so so I, I think that that Blackwood is 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 going to get the get get a chance to to be that guy to be hopefully that lead guy that that they um, that people projected out of him when 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 yeah. uh, uh, when he was sort of at the height of his prospect um, with the Devils that he was going to be a top ten goalie future team Canada starter. We said that many times that, that, uh, that, that people did, did see that ceiling for him. And um, if it's not Blackwood, I think it's fine because there was something about the goaltending position that it's the sort of the, you know, goaltending is voodoo. It's the most kind of random position in terms of who is going to be uh, your, your, your starter, who is your goalie of the future, right? If you look at some of the, the top guys around the league, Chesterkin, Sorokin, Saros, Hellebuck, they're all late picks. When they were drafted, no one thought they were going to be their team's goalie of the future. And yeah. so, will the Sharks draft somebody this year? Um, to that is that guy? You never know. Um, there's mm-hmm. also guys like Biddington that uh, maybe not a lead goalie, but he's been St. Louis's number one guy for a number of years. Obviously, won the Stanley Cup, came out of nowhere. And so, goaltending is one of those weird things where yeah. you can find somebody as valuable as a position as it is. Um, you can roll the dice and find somebody. Unlike a top four defenseman or top six center. Those you don't find uh, on a garbage heap or for a bargain price yeah. usually. But Like, um, you know, Aiden Hill won a Stanley Cup. Aiden he's, Hill is a good he, example. He's That's like it. A, yep. What was it? Fourth round pick we got from him? Fourth round pick, basically. Yeah. And then in Arizona, Connor Ingram's having an amazing year. He was on waivers last year. Like yep. there's these, these guys that like, you just have to keep trying and you just have to keep like, like identifying obviously with you know your goalie scouts and your you just have to keep finding that value in players because you know goalies are voodoo and unless you have this guy that you know just Sorokin, Vasilevsky all these guys like that you know for sure that they are like we said this before that are superstar goalies you just got to keep trying and I think you mold the team around the goaltender or you mold the team first and then you find your goalie at some point right unless you have just yeah 
Reimer mm. a couple years ago was that guy for the Sharks too, just signed to like a two point one million dollar contract. Sure. He was brilliant his first uh, couple of months as a Shark. So in a way, uh, even though there isn't really a lot of depth uh, behind Blockwood and Kakinen right now, that mm. you don't have to worry about it too much in a couple of years because kind of most likely along with wingers that you can kind of fill that spot a little bit out of nowhere. And so not too worried about, about that part of it uh, in goal. Um, so moving on to, uh, to defense, defense is, 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 is interesting. Um, so I'm doing a lot of projecting here in terms of, again, you know, this is what it's going to take. This is realistic, but it's also a lot of projecting. And so I'm projecting that you need a Thrun and Mukumadulan to really hit and to be legit top four defensemen. They don't need to be your number one defensemen because I don't think they have that kind of projection or talent. So let's be realistic about it. But can they be? Um, I think Mukumadulan might have a ceiling of a number two, but can can he be at least a solid middle pairing? Can Thrun be a solid middle pairing? Let's say you mm-hmm. keep Ferraro because Ferraro has shown, especially this season, uh, the kind of a more complete game that he can be legit. Uh, I think in your top four too. And obviously, you still need a true number one here. Uh, but if he can't get that true number one, uh, Victor Hedman in his prime, that, those guys are really hard to get, right? Only a handful of those sure. guys. Um, you can still you can still go with sort of a quality depth defense, right? Like mm-hmm. if you start with Ferraro, Thrun, and Mukabadulin, and maybe if you think that's a credible start to the top four, and you add a couple more guys, so you have five, six top four defensemen, uh, instead of just having four, right? Or instead of having like an elite top pairing and then a decent sure. middle pairing and then a sort of a whatever bottom pairing, have depth, have 60 minutes of a, uh, of a top four guy, top four pairing out there, right? And so that's, a, that's I think, a workaround to not having a true number one. And so this is somewhere where I could see the Sharks um, uh, uh, maybe sooner than later uh, trading or signing someone to help stabilize uh, their 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 top four even more. Um, so you're hoping by 25-26 that Farrell is very established, that Thrun, Mokmadulin are mature, mature beyond their years and, and playing top four quality hockey. And so earlier this season, there was kind of an interesting rumor of uh, Mike Greer being interested in a Noel Hannafin. Hannafin, mm-hmm. a 27 at the time, he's going to be a UFA. And so I'm not saying that Hannafin is the perfect guy, but a guy like that who is about the the right age range, a guy that can help kind of stabilize uh, uh, your defense. Um, suddenly, then uh, you have again, you, then then you have uh, you're hoping uh, four or five top four top four guys, and so I think that that could be the direction where we start to see uh, a, a, a more competitive Sharks team because right now. Thrun, Mukumadulin obviously aren't ready for uh, for for playoff caliber hockey. Um, I think yeah. Thrall can be, but we have no evidence of that. Obviously, because he's played on all bad teams since his uh, since he uh, has uh, debuted in NHL. Um, but if you get the growth you project out of a Thrun and Mukumadulin, and you add uh, Ferraro to there, um, then again, that 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 maybe is the makings of a decent. Again, it won't be one of the best defenses in the league, but a, a decent, uh, a decent top four defense. Uh, then we start talking about again, you know, maybe competing more. And with your twenty, I think the other part of it too is uh, is the draft this year's draft, right? And who you draft, and if you don't get the number one pick and you don't get Celebrini, 
Um, Sharks will obviously still end up with a really high pick. And like you mentioned before, uh, Keegan, this is a very defensive deep draft. And so you got to find your number one there. That's probably the spot where you got to find your, your, your yeah. Heskinen or your Makar or that basically that young guy that can, uh, that can, again, we're talking about the Sharks being competitive in just two years from now. So it's got to be somebody that can pretty much slide in there as a 19, 20 year old and be yeah. a top pairing defenseman cider. So it's rare, but I've just thrown out three names there. It can happen. And so, and so, 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 you, so you'll need a hit with, with that pick if it's not, uh, if it's not a, if it's not Celebrini. Um, yeah, so and I, uh, I think that's a good thing to, to, to keep in mind, though, so that people don't like if we don't get Celebrini, there is still some light at the end of the tunnel because this is a position of need for the Sharks. And in, in, in right, general, absolutely. there's, there's so many guys in that, that range of the draft that you can pick from that are seemingly like possible number one defenseman in the NHL, which is, you know, rare. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's like, who's your pick now by the way uh if uh, um, you're looking for an immediate impact top pairing guy which is a lot to ask for but who's your pick right now if, let's say the sharks end up with number two they lose mm -hmm. uh the number one pick immediate impact mm -hmm. oh man maybe not like maybe, maybe not like within two years next I'd year say... but within two years yeah mm, i'd say lev shanov lev shanov's been my guy okay. for a That's while i think okay. he he has everything that that like makes him able to be a number one defenseman in the NHL and um, just he's raw. He's not as like polished. He's playing college. He's doing extremely well in college right now, um, but he has the size. He's got the skills. He's got uh, the brain offensively. His defense is a little bit shaky at times because he's still learning, but he's not like it's not like Merkley unfixable. Um, sure, it's sure. still fine. Um, so I think he's kind of like the one that I I would pick, but there are a lot. Silly so, yeah, is okay. great. Um, Parikh is is he's not very big, but he's like I think he's like six foot. He's not small mm -hmm. either, but he's he's insane in how he creates like shots from the point. Um, and then uh, Booyam is having the best defenseman college season ever, I think, or or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, and he's draft eligible, which is extremely rare. <laughs> But, yeah, but uh, his his game is a lot of um, activations and stuff that I don't know if it's all like translatable just yet. But uh, there's a lot of good options, is what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. And I think if you're going to pick one, it, you're not going to go wrong with a bunch. There's Carter Yak Carter Yakumchuk, who's super good. He's probably going to be more in like the 10 to 15 range. I've mm -hmm. watched a lot of games of his. I've liked his game too. He's a little slower, is the thing. But again, big guy. Um, great hands for his size he just has a little bit of clunky feet compared to everybody else but not terrible either but anyway there's a lot and you also have the penguins pick which might be in that 10 to 20 yeah, range maybe too. maybe you get that you get your defenseman there right and you get a celebrity yeah. that's 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 what you're hoping for i guess but uh mm -hmm. but yeah and i i know i'm asking you guys to do a lot of imagining here but that's it's a lot of imagination is, is is for <laughs> right like like what is mike seeing this is the reason why i would even ask this if Mm -hmm. uh i'm trying to be realistic and so if this is what what mike is trying to sell you guys then okay let's see how it can happen right and it has to be of course realistic we're not asking henry thrun to be miro heskinen because that's just stupid mm -hmm. that's not fair to henry right and so what can happen it's okay so if you start to imagine this right let's say you don't get the number one pick let's say lushunov is a, a cider guy a guy can step in and be and be a top carrying guy or he these are big big uh ifs but let's say that you, you found your true number one in a Lashunov, right? 
let's say mm. Ferraro, Theron, Mukmadul, and let's say again you sign a veteran who is a uh, a great locker room guy, legit top four guy, is in a good age age range, right, 27, 28. Um, so let's so then that suddenly you have five defensemen there that that kind of uh, fill out your your top four, and this is not counting any of the other prospects like uh, that who might hit like a Havlid, a Furlong, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And also to uh, the guys that the Sharks already have that, uh, that can, that can maybe improve and make them and, 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 and make themselves a kind of a must keep guy like an Emerson uh, or a Hotuk or somebody like that too. Right. A little bit rawer, uh, maybe not quite as much ceiling, but maybe they can help round out your bottom pairing or even a Matt Benning who still might be here. Um, and suddenly your defense looks, I think, a, a little more, way more intriguing that, than this year's defense. Yeah. The um, Bob McKenzie's list came out this week, and, mm-hmm. and Siliyev came out at number two, and Levshinov came out at number three mm. on his list. So, okay. And that's above like Eiserman, who's kind of dropping a little bit. And then yeah, Eiserman's dropping. Came yeah. Out at, at six. Although Demidov's had like a two weeks to that have been insane in the in the MHL. He's like putting up like 20 points in six games or something ridiculous or what I don't remember what it is. But anyway, point point is like there's defensemen that are right there. Um and then around the um Penguins pick you've got Parik and Booyum, Yurachek, mm-hmm. Yakumchuk all around there. And Dickinson is one that's probably gonna go top mm-hmm. ten. He's mm-hmm. been thrown around. He's like your all arounder yeah. Uh, kind of guy that gets picked high just because he's good at everything. Um, looks like an NHL or kind of playing in juniors kind of thing, but uh, may sure. not have the standout like offensive skills of everybody else. But right, right. Anyway, right. I see where you're going with this whole thing. I think, I think the 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 start of it, like the Ferraro Thron, Mukabadula, and then all of the other peripheral prospects the Sharks have created on on defense are is a great start. But I think you're right. We're missing that one guy. Sure. Hopefully you might get from this draft or you might have to get from the next draft, depending right. on how where the Sharks finish. Right, right. And I, I do want to address one point, too, that um, uh, just a reminder uh, that Vlasic, Vlasic's buyout, um, let's say we get to 25, 26 and Vlasic is still on this team. Uh, his buyout is not very good. It's not even worth doing, even with just one year left. So if you bought him out uh, for the 2025, 26 season, that's the last season of his contract. Um, you only get a 2.3 million savings in the first year mm-hmm. uh, of the seven million. So that's all you get, only 2.3. And then you get 1.2 million added to the 2026-27 season. So if Vlasic manages to still be on the team by at that point, uh, I, I hate to say it because I don't want to disrespect a guy like that, but that might be a point where you just bury him because there is no savings really in, in buying him out. And so um, so I wonder what, what will happen uh, with uh, with that. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, so I, I, that's one thing I wanted to add because there's always the assumption, oh, we just buy out Vlasic whenever. But of course, you got to look at the actual terms of the buyout. And uh, and again, just the 2.3 million savings. So his hold, his cap hold will still be 4.7 million if you, if you if you if you if you buy him out with one year left. That's not a, a great savings at all. Every every I don't know couple days weeks i look at the cap friendly page for the sharks and mm-hmm. then remind myself that plastic is still in the books for however long like it, it feels like it's never ending well it we is sold. ending though so we're getting there so we're again you know there. the we the, sold the timing... our, we sold the our, our our like 
our uh, we sold our soul for one playoff run with Mark Edward Vlasic, like one. Well, and for run. with Eric Carlson too. So <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. But like his whole contract started that like that he had one season where he made the playoffs. And then the, like the next seven, he's not going to make the playoffs the whole time. So it's just yeah. Well, yeah. he was incredible for a decade with the Sharks. So let's not take that he away. He had from it. Him. So <laughs> he was he was underpaid for a decade. So. Yeah, and we sold um, our soul for for that. You know, on the back end. So. <laughs> but. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, I agree. I, I think you should just we should just bury him. I mean, this if if he needs to be moved, like if you've got another guy like Muka Batulin who's knocking on the door and he's not able to play because Vlasic's in his spot constantly, and Vlasic's doing. I don't think poorly. that's going to happen. Muka Batulin's too important. Yeah, that that they're not going to let Vlasic block him. On their hand, if Vlasic is good as your number eight seven guy and he's good in the room, keep him too. Again, you True. just don't get a lot of savings buying him out. You might get more. I got to look at the buyout with two years left. Um, mm. maybe, maybe the savings are worth it then. But again, the Sharks, I don't know if they're, again, I don't know if they're making their move until the summer of 2025. That's what it sort of is trending yeah. toward. And so why, yeah, why hurt yourself in the years after his contract is over? Mm. And so the other thing I want to bring up too, that coincides. So we mentioned the, uh, expiration of the contracts acquired in a Carlson deal, mm. uh, retaining a lot less on a Carlson deal, the Vlasic deal expiring. Um, as sort of coinciding within that two, three year, I don't, it's not a coincidence. These are, this is, these are planned things. So, uh, but within that two, three year time frame that Mike is talking about that, and we'll address this. Uh, I think this is especially related to Logan Couture and the forwards, but Brent Burns is, uh, retained the retention on Brent Burns expires after the 2024, 25 season. Yeah. And so you suddenly have a spot to play with for a multi-year contract. The Sharks have just, again, reminder, the Sharks have just one retention spot right now. It's tied up right now with Brent Burns up to 2024-25 and Eric Carlson to 2026-27. Carlson one, that's forty. Uh, it's too long to think about, but the Burns one is about to come off. And so once that comes off, that gives you a chance to maybe play with it a little bit more because the Sharks naturally, uh, you know, we get asked this all the time. Well, why don't they trade a hurdle? Why don't they trade a Couture now? They don't want mm -hmm. to tie up every retention spot with a multi-year contract because you have no flexibility if, if you do that. I think you want to kind of keep 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 one open for the for this year. It could be a Mike Hoffman, it could be a, a Kapo Kakinen, it could be a, a Luke Cunnan, you know, somebody's contract who's expiring, right? You can you can help you can help uh, uh, a smooth uh, uh, oil, you know, uh, a smooth a deal out by, yep. by by using our retention spot for expiring contracts. So you always want to have that one available for a season. Um, but once Burns expires 2024, 25, uh, you, you can start next season. Basically you can start to think about what you're going to do with that kind of open spot. And so anyway, that, that leads to the, the forwards and who's up front for this hypothetically competitive sharks team. So let's say again, that it is Blackwood and goal. Let's say that we've started up with, uh, with Ferraro and, and, and Mukumadulin and, and, uh, and Thrun and a Hannafin type or somebody like that. Right. And so you start to get the, the look of a decent top four. Um, mm. And so let's hope that you win the lottery and you get Macklin Celebrini. Because then you have a guy that's supposed to be your number one center for the next decade. And his, uh, his comp is Jonathan Taves. Yep. I don't think that's a comp that people are making lightly. I think they do see that out of him. And it's a reminder that uh, Taves led the Hawks to the conference finals in his second season. Now, I'm not expecting 
a Celebrini to have that kind of impact on the Sharks. I don't think he's going to have the, the talent around him to do that. But let's say, though, that that he can be that good in terms of just he is uh, sort of uh, 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 the, the reincarnation of a Jonathan Taze or Andre Kopitar, that kind of type, right? So you have your 1C for the next decade, right? So what else do you need to, to happen here? So you obviously you need Will, uh, William Eklund to kind of, I think I think uh, I think that Eklund rounds out, in my opinion, as a top six, but really solid top six, good at everything, um, small but plays tough. Um, so kind of guy you want around the playoffs, even though he's a smaller guy. So not a perfect comp, uh, comp but like a marcher show, but uh, better defensively and more creative and that sort of thing, right? Um, a more complete Ray Whitney. I don't know uh, what happened, right? <laughs> so I can see that out of. Out of, out of William Eklund. And so if he's right there, then I think you're happy with it. He doesn't have to be, uh, he doesn't have to be a, a first line point per game guy. If he is a really good all around player that gives you 50, 60 points, I think you're really happy with that. Um, and then you need Will Smith to hit too. And yeah. so depends on, uh, he's got to be, I think, uh, again, in this kind of projection, he's got to hit fast too. If the sharks are, if if you want the sharks, uh, if you're projecting that the sharks are competitive uh, by the summer of 2025, and so you need you need a, you need a you need a Smith to 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 be to to be step in and basically be a second line quality caliber player, the top six caliber player at least with the first line upside maybe, and so if Smith hits, then okay, then 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 you've got you've got something there. The question with Smith, of course, is is it going to be at center or wing? And so let's say you have Celebrini as sort of your earmarked 1C. So you still got Thomas Hurdle probably on the books. And mm-hmm. so you're hoping that uh, within a, in a couple of years that Hurdle slides in well as your 2C. And you, we can see that as, as being, I think, a realistic possibility, right? Hurdle's had a pretty nice season this year. And so let's say, let's say that that happens, right? And then um, at 3C, I think there's a little bit of a question, like, could that be a Couture? Or will you have used that retention slot that you've opened up with a Brent Burns to to trade Couture to a contender, which he may want? Or he might want, he might like what the Sharks are, he might like uh, the sure. idea of growing with the Celebrini and, or helping to develop a Celebrini, a Smith, an Eklund, right? And so he could conceivably, I we think we talked about this before, that his game could age well into being a pretty good a pretty good 3c and so, so he's going to be yeah. overpaid at that but still <laughs> severely but you know gives you a lot of depth i mean yeah yeah i think he would you're right i think he would turn out to be a, a great 3c in, in like in his older years basically because he's a very smart player even if like some of the the um physical tools kind of age uh, he's still got the hockey smarts to to kind of you know and he he you're right. Maybe he does want to go to a contender or what have you. But then you've got a a one two three of Celebrini, Hurdle, Couture. Which yeah, I mean, I, I like think a Carlson would have would have thought about if the Sharks had won the lottery and drafted Connor and Bedard, that might have changed mm-hmm. the calculus. Maybe the Sharks are more aggressive adding people. So uh, because you have a kind of an immediate one C right there that that mm-hmm. you can inject into the lineup. And so well, maybe sure. maybe maybe you're a little more aggressive, and maybe Carlson thinks, oh, maybe I'll try it a year with uh, with with this kid and see we see what happens, right? And so. Maybe that could happen with 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 the uh, with with the Couture, um, mm. and then the, the, you know the cap hit is still high, of course. But um, a lot of the sharks at that point will be in, the, in their ELCs. A lot of the young sharks, so maybe it's not such a big deal. Uh, you can you can kind of uh, you can kind of uh, afford to give 
uh, Couture a, a bigger ticket because the other guys aren't uh, aren't making big money yet. And mm -hmm. so maybe well, I'm not sure about that part of it with 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 the Couture, but mm -hmm. um, but but I it's conceivable though that. Um, and again, it, it does require a big if uh, winning, winning, uh, winning the lottery. If you don't win the lottery, you don't get Celebrini. Then, uh, then it becomes a lot harder because you don't have a one seat. Just like you don't have a, a, a true uh, number one defenseman, you also don't have a true number one center here. It could be Smith, and so that's that's a place where maybe Smith can slide in there. Or if yeah. it is a Celebrini hurdle, and let's say a Couture up the middle, right? Uh, then Smith can go to wing, and then Eklund is going to be on wing. And then uh, Zetterlin, I think, has shown that he can be in the, at least in the top nine conversation, middle six conversation, right? Sure. And and like we mentioned, too, wingers are kind of the position where they're a little easier to add. Kind of, uh, you can mm -hmm. you can find you can find a guy in free agency for not too expensive and whatnot, right? Uh, but also too, though, and I was thinking about it too that you're flush with this cap space. And so maybe this is, if, if, if I think if we talk about sort of the, the grand plan within a couple of years, right. And I've written this many times. So, so you guys have, have all heard it, but in a couple of years, you'll know what you've got in Smith and Eklund um, and some of the other prospects. Like, are these really foundational pieces? Uh, will some, will someone else emerge in there? You notice I haven't mentioned the, the Beastead, Musty, Lund, Gushin, any of those guys, right? And the reason why I haven't mentioned them is because I've already projected uh, Mukumadulin, Thrun, and Eklund, and Smith hitting. And that's a lot of guys sure. to hit. Uh, it really is. I, I, I've looked at a lot of top 10 prospect lists. Like, you're lucky if, like, two or three of those guys hit. And so if you're going to assume that uh, I've already given the Sharks – Looking at our uh, preseason top ten, right? Like, like we're giving them Smith, Eklund, Mukumadulin, and Thrun, um, and, mm -hmm. and it's realistic because at least with Eklund, Mukumadulin, and Thrun, we've seen enough of them in pro hockey that like the leap for them, we we know they can deal with pro hockey. Now, how good they'll be, we're not sure, but we know yeah. that 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 they can play pro hockey. Um, but if you want to throw in, if you get one of uh, one of so if we if, if we take these four Smith Eklund Mukumadulin and Thrun as hitting if you get one of Beastead Musty Lun uh, just route, reading off the rest of our top ten list Gushin uh, Bordalo Houtinen or Havlid if you get one of them to hit or a Furlong or Cagnoni to throw in some guys that are kind of in that conversation now top ten conversation if you get one more of those guys to hit I think you're jumping for joy. Point is that a lot of these guys are going to fall by the wayside. They may have initial careers, but they won't be very significant. If you get sure. one of these other guys to hit as like impact top six, top four mm -hmm. defensemen, then again you're 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 running through the streets for uh, with with joy. Um, but anyway, though, so so the wing position I think is a little empty there. So if it's not one of these prospects filling it, uh, maybe that's where if you've seen enough from uh, Smith and Eklund. Uh, Celebrini slash defenseman you might draft in the 2024 draft if it's not Celebrini or uh, with a Pittsburgh pick um, you you get a Celebrini and you get a top defensive prospect right whatever however it works right if you've seen enough out of these guys you think this is a foundation I can build on maybe you sign that's maybe that's where you spend your money on a free agent and uh, Mike was very clear to say that we're not going to be signing any 30 year old to multi-year contracts right but <laughs> You look at the, and I'm just looking, I'm just, this is, again, this is super science fiction, whatever. This is like 
Sure. These guys will probably projection. get locked up. A lot of projecting. These guys will probably get locked up by the time we get to free agency, right? But I just took a quick look at the 2025 free agency, free agency class, right? And guys that are not in their 30s, but are 28, 29, which is pushing it, uh, but uh, 28, 29, that could be interesting. And you, I look at the sort of my projected forwards list here, right? Um, again, uh, some of the, the names that I'm projecting at, at, as hitting, Smith, Eklund, um, Zetterlin's in that group. Uh, Hurdle is still here. Katora is still in this group, right? There's not a lot of natural finish, so I wonder if the Sharks might look for a guy who's a bit of a finisher, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you have a few guys there in this free agency class. Uh, Rantanen, Dreisaitl, Brock Besser, who could be interesting. And guys that kind of that 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 piece that maybe that'll get you to the playoffs and start to, again, be in that competitive cycle. Um, and another guy that's really interesting in this racing class, and again, a lot of these guys will get locked up before then, but a Mitch Marner, who isn't mm-hmm. so much of a finisher, but he's a, obviously all-around outstanding playmaker, right? Uh, so, so those are some interesting guys that if you add to, again, to this kind of projected Sharks lineup that Again, we start to look, we start to look a uh, 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 way more interesting, right? And so, uh, again, this is all pie in the sky. So, um, so I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not necessarily counting on it. I'm not predicting it. Uh, but in terms of what Mike is, is is seeing, you know, in terms of the Sharks being good in two to three years or being competitive at least, right? Um, mm-hmm think this is this is kind of what the thing some of the things that that have to happen um so you basically need to hit like on four or five of your current top 10 prospects which is kind of a, a stretch but it could happen um you need Especially some because eklund's already yeah. one of them so he's already in Theron is kind of uh eklund is in but you know you know though uh the, uh it's still an if with him because we know he has some ability he's shown it right but sure. is he going to be a legit top six forward, like a playoff caliber? Mm-hmm. Uh, I predict he will be because I like his two way game. I like his drive. But um, there are a lot of a lot of guys who can put up points, but are not that useful to to a winning yeah. team, right? And so I'm projecting that Eklund is not that kind of guy. But he's got to reach that point though, where you can count on him for a good 50, 60 points, but also terrific two way play. And if you can mm-hmm. get to that point, then he's then the sharks are golden. That's 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 you know that's more if he's like Logan Couture but a winger instead instead of a center. I think you're sure. thrilled if, if that's if that's if that's what he what he what he ends up as. Um, so so yeah so they're not quite there yet. Thrun has shown some talent, but again he's not a legit top four defenseman on no. a on a playoff caliber team right now. Mukum uh, no. certainly is not. Farrell, if there's even debate about Farrell, right? We talked about so much debate sure. about Farrell, right? But Farrell is the closest to uh, to to that at, at this point. And so um, it you might be wishful thinking to include him in that group, but um, this is wishful thinking here, right? Like, what is Mike talking about, this team <laughs> being competitive in two to three years? Well, yeah. I think these are some of the things that, that have to happen. It's a, a lot of... A lot of ifs, and we don't want to do a lot of ifs. Um, but there is some realism, right? There's nothing <laughs> wild except for maybe signing Leon Dreisaitl or Mitch Marner, so that's that's a little wild, but um, yeah. everything else is sort of plausible ish, yeah. So I think we're still missing a few things, and we're, we we mm-hmm. already mentioned it you're missing the one C, you're missing the, the yeah, one D, and then. 
you've got to round it all out with with the somebody somebody has to kind of hit and not just a way that we're excited like musty's having a great year and we're excited about like oh he's putting up all these points but he needs to hit he needs to get in the nhl and be a top six forward and go oh shoot the sharks hit on a late round draft or late first round draft pick like i think something like that not musty specifically but something has to else happen where it's like we're missing one or two more of these hits that like have to come up basically i mean i'm not counting on any of my projections because again i i've already given mm. this uh 2025 26 sharks team I already given them smith eklund mukamadulin and thrun i know <laughs> there's so many but so that's, 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 that's a good number already me, so. kind of brings me to the, the point of the philosophy of this whole thing and and mm-hmm. i'm not saying not questioning greer's philosophy like he hasn't changed it he said it the same thing then like people might think we turn this around quicker and i'm not questioning that and i'm not questioning like the idea of what we're bringing forward with this but when he mentioned in the 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 thing like um or in the interview you know teams like philadelphia come out of nowhere and they they may make the playoffs or something like that or or like a team comes from you know and they they start to be in the mix and it's like i don't i don't know i personally i don't want the team to be in the mix and i get why i want them to be like a a building to a stanley cup winning team i don't care if they make the playoffs in 3 years i i want them to win the friggin cup <laughs> like oh, I, I don't want that, them to yeah. just be fine in three years and make the playoffs and then just become ottawa or buffalo or any of these middling rebuilding teams that never got the superstar talent never got the hits that they well, needed they even, and even if they did they did like eichel they couldn't do anything with it right they couldn't so, do anything with it or stutzla yeah. and they still haven't done anything with it or like right you need that there has to be a hits and then b the, the hits have to actually mean something like I don't know. I just I worry about in some ways the the direction if the plan is to really just try to make the playoffs again. And he, he's not saying that he's going to sign a bunch of vets and like do a bunch of stupid shit, but he's just trying to mold the two old sharks with some younger sharks to see if they can make something happen. And and I don't know if that's personally what I would want to see. I kind of want to see a Stanley Cup. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, look. But who knows? Old, there's many ways to skin a cat. You know, there's, there's many there's ways to, to get there. I, I know that mm-hmm. the the most common thing is people want a bit more of an aggressive rebuild. Um, yeah. They may not like hearing Mike say two to three years, right? Uh, but I think, like I said, a couple of elements I mentioned. Obviously, the ownership, uh, Hasso yeah. probably wanting a slightly expedited timeline. Also, too, mm-hmm. Mike's got to sell hope. This is a season ticket holders event, right? So what's he going to, you know, so he can say, and I, I, I grant that we've seen other franchises come out and be more direct about it. So he can say, yeah, this is going to take a while, but, um, you know, maybe he's got to, he's got to, maybe his directive is a little different where he's got, but I actually think that is what they're trying to do though. And mm-hmm. so, and that's the premise of this whole episode that they are trying to, trying to build something that, um, it's a it's a it's a mix it's sort of like a it's 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 sort of a uh you know he he's definitely like kind of uh uh on the high wire here where he's trying to balance um mm-hmm. balance doing the rebuild in a responsible way uh but also somehow get the team to be more competitive a little sooner than 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 later and mm-hmm. so far i would say that he has done a pretty good job in terms of uh, in terms of responsible rebuild um i don't think i'm trying to think of just any any moves that are just like just out out you know there's some bad signings but um 
nothing not, not too much was given up there oscar limblom luke cunning trade hasn't worked out great that's third round pick so nothing really irresponsible right it's kept kept the high picks um you know traded back the the number 11 pick uh, 2020 uh, 2022 draft so we'll see how that turns out but um but nothing yeah. really grossly ir- irresponsible um yeah. and it's trying to balance that with 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 trying to to make a more competitive team actually that's probably more my concern that uh, the last couple of years the talk has been oh this team is going to compete etc cetera, etc cetera. and last year i'm going to give 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 it to them that the that they're I, I thought that that the, the underlying stats uh the micro stats scoring chances all those kind of things that they were way better than their record last year especially mm-hmm. before they traded timo and uh, i think a lot of that was we talked about was the goaltending both reimer and captain were very very poor last year and so i think that that's more of that um but uh this year though the team is bad (laughs) and um and so if 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 people are telling you that this team is like if people around you are telling you this team is good then that's that that's 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 or not good but will be a lot better than this uh then that's somewhat troubling uh in Mm. terms of uh, just the the pro evaluation there um so we'll see so so i'm kind of uh jury is open and uh, let's give credit to the pro staff too though uh that uh, they found guys like ac mond and uh emberson that look pretty good and they make good trades too uh picking up picking zetterlin right of whoever sure. new jersey was offering so uh so they they identified zetterlin as a guy that they really wanted and that's that's worked out that's worked out quite well a uh, Sturm was an excellent free agent signing so it's not like they are uh you know, it's been all kind of misses yeah. uh, from them. So I just want to uh, point that out. Um, but anyway, though, um, yeah, so I, 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 I think, and I could be, I could be wrong, but I'm, um, you know, to me, you look at the, again, you look at the moves, right. And you look at, uh, you look at uh, um, that they didn't retain on Carlson and that they took on all contracts that were going to expire within two years. And all of a sudden they're flush with cap space. I mean, and then he says two to three years is the hope, right? Yeah. And so it's still a hope. Uh, he has to hope. He has to. He has to. He has to uh, uh, hope that Smith, Eklund, Mukhamadulin, uh, whoever they draft this year, twenty twenty four, like these guys hit, right? Um, yeah. Or yeah, he's going to be out of a job. <laughs> so I think yeah. it really that's so you know again, it's hoping for like a crescendo of things that. The prospects mm-hmm. that you have and have drafted that they are everything that 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 you build them up to be and so you have that and that you crescendo your young talent with cap space and you, you can you can you can make something real yeah. out of that you can make a stanley cup contender out of that if if that all kind of meets at the right time that intersection of of young cost control talent and somebody you trade for or a free agent or whatever so yeah, I mean, you, yeah, like you're saying, the the superstar on the ELC is a, it's a huge thing in, mm-hmm. in the NHL. So if somehow you can get a superstar to be on an eight or $900,000 contract or, or whatever and not have to pay the big money while you're paying other established stars big money, um, it's, it's worked before. It's, you know, <laughs> gotten Pittsburgh and, you know, Chicago Stanley Cups. It's it happens and 
I think we just got to get the superstar bit. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is not a great comp because it hasn't really worked out uh, for them. But if you look back to um, the summer of 2018, right, and John Tavares and him going to the league, True. right, and John Tavares looks at that roster and he sees Mitch Marner 21, Austin Matthews 21, Morgan Riley 24, um, mm. even guys like us, uh, like kind of side guys like like Casper Kapanen who was supposed to be pretty good 22, uh, and a lot of other guys uh william nylander 22 and a lot of other guys um 25 26 range you know this is this is a good situation to to land in right and even though it hasn't obviously worked out with uh with sustained long long playoff runs for them the idea made sense for for toronto at the time like okay you know that again Mm -hmm. you crescendo the the young talent with with a lot of cap space and if you sign the right guy and your young talent uh keeps keeps producing that you might kind of make uh, make a symphony <laughs> and yeah. so and so that's that's i so that, that that makes sense to me and so um and so we'll see in two or three years if uh sort of uh the sharks have enough guys like that um like like the leafs had in in 2019 so or i'm sorry 2018 summer 2018 so yeah it's this is the this is the hope podcast um, <laughs> that we're selling hope. Um, I'm not selling I, it. I'm just trying to understand. Understand uh, sort of like because I'm sure Mike has has he's not showing us his sort of his his charts and where he has guys projected uh, on the on depth chart in a couple of years and he shouldn't that that's all it's all his in his mind and 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 whatnot right but I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure that he has sort of designed sort of idea of what he's projecting out of these guys where he sees a William Eklund in two years, where he sees a Will Smith in two years, where he sees a Mukamadoulin and a Thrun and a Ferraro if they don't trade him, right? And, and all that, right? And so um so yeah. So so I think I I I think I think I think that um if if I whiteboarded all this out that like it wouldn't be it, it might not be that dissimilar to to what to what Greer has has in mind or what mm-hmm. has to happen for them to again to to kind of be in that at least playoff discussion in two to three years. It's and and you also just that the really have to hope that somehow Couture and Hurdle like fight father time. Oh sure. Like, sure. That's really a big, big, really big hard. Piece of it for sure. For sure. Because their fifteen but, million dollars on your on your sheet is is, the, yep. is Logan and Hurdle. And they really gotta they're getting in their thirties and, and they really have to to hold on to being, you know, good. Yeah. Good so issue. we talked about this uh, uh, all the time, like, you know, what you look for, for, for Sharks games to keep hope, obviously a game like tonight, um, Eklund and Mukamadoulin, they had, they, they had good moments, right. But you also want Couture and Hurdle. You, 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 you need them to keep, keep going. So because they make a lot yeah. of money and if they, if they <laughs> drop off like, like a Vlasic, then you're, you're, yeah, you're going to be in trouble. So. Yeah. They, you, they're in some ways Vlasic's ending, so much sooner than they are that like they're way more concerning like if they if they start to mm. do poorly but neither of them have kind of shown that they've both looked no they, they, they have been. back yeah. from injury um he, he's still getting acclimated but he's looked okay and then hurdle's been fine this whole year so yeah and we use the la example a number of times too that kopitar and dally have managed to to stay uh um uh, top flight angel players for for a long time and so mm-hmm. you're hoping for something like that that they can be useful uh, as your team is ascending the standings again, yep. getting moved down the lineup, but still right. making tons of money. 
right but still yeah. being very valuable players even down down yeah. in the lineup so yes it's um interesting times to be a sharks fan i'm yeah. uh, i'm excited to see and in this draft i'm doing more and more watching and it's just getting me so excited and, and macklin is is pretty good um he had uh, uh he had a good a good game tonight it felt like he was mm -hmm. setting up his teammates like every other play and nobody would just nobody would put it in for him they lost again to bc but um, i'm excited and I'm, i really do hope the sharks win the, the lottery as <laughs> doesn't need to be stated but <laughs> yeah it would help all of this would yeah. help if we had won bedard or, or celebrini so. right right of course that that changes and mike uh, did say that uh, uh mm -hmm. you can see in the transcript he mentioned lock a number of times and so they'll they'll need some lock too uh to yeah. get to this uh this this 2025 26 uh 2027 just in that range like that uh that, that we really started to see kind of that light that hey this team can be the next uh next uh a good team next playoff team and you did bring up a great point with the ottawa senators and we'll get to that i think it's a great discussion point for future podcasts uh uh how the sharks can avoid some of the 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 pitfalls that the sabers and uh the, the senators have experienced trying to get out of their mm -hmm. uh long rebuilds yeah and different podcast for a different day i think um i think we've talked a lot let's let's get out of yep. here anything else to uh to say for this week no i think uh i think i uh, i think i am talked out so yeah <laughs> uh, i feel also pretty talked out um but uh, we will be back next week with uh, coverage of the AHL All-Star. Yeah, we're going to do a deeper dive. A lot, of people, a lot of people have asked about it. And so I, I can I can say it because I've done a lot of the groundwork for it. Um, so a lot of people have asked, uh, why are the Barracuda so bad? And what's going on with the Barracuda? And so uh, I've, uh, I, I've I've dug pretty, pretty deep on that. And I have a guest, too. Uh, or we have a guest, too, that will we'll talk about it. And so I think... Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, I think uh, next week is going to be uh, interesting. If you're curious about uh, why the Barracuda are in last place and uh, should it be a coaching change or whatever because of it and that sort of thing. Super excited. Um, going to be a um, interesting discussion because uh, it was also asked to Greer as well, um, which yes, we didn't bring up. Um, but like how John McCarthy and, and the Barracuda, is it okay to be disappointed in the Barracuda essentially? And he said, yeah, I mean, we're all a little disappointed in the Barracuda. And then I went into like, you know, the good job that the staff has done and all that stuff. But um, I think uh, we'll talk about it next week. Um, yeah, I think there's one major, I guess a tease one. There's one major gap in a lot of uh, a coverage of uh, AHL team. Mm -hmm. And and that's a gap that I hope to fill uh, by talking talking to people. And mm -hmm. I guess I'll just leave it at that. That I th I think that I think that uh, I, uh, I I I have a better grasp of sort of uh, uh, how the Barracuda should be doing. I think based on 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 uh, talking to uh, the people that that uh, I've talked to that we uh, we've talked to. Um, so yep. yeah, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Let's see you all next week. Bye. See you guys.